decoded. Welcome to this episode of the Founder Tech Decoded podcast, series four. I'm delighted on this podcast to be welcoming Dan Pritchard, Luke Loveridge, and Ben Cooper. They are all focused on the Southwest as a region. Dan, as the co-founder of the Tech Southwest Awards, which are in their fourth year. Luke, as a exited and, uh, I guess, serial founder in the region with PropFlow. And Ben, as an investor with the Bristol Private Equity Group. I've been looking forward to this conversation in this series because one of the things we're focused on is breaking the London-centric stranglehold of capital, of money coming in and money going out. And with all the developments in the venture space, that is still year on year the case. And Dan, Luke and Ben, um, of all the people I know, um, and the Southwest as a region, which is a region that's been on my radar for quite a while, I've actually done a couple of events a few years ago and I started to see people talking about it, have know what it's like to basically not only back a region, but stimulate it, elevate it, and bring it into focus, I think, for the UK as a whole. So it's a great case study, and uh, I'm delighted to have you all on the podcast. Gentlemen, welcome. Hi, Dan. Hi. Hi. Hi, Dan. Um, so, Dan, let's start with you. If you go back, we're, you're in the fourth year of the awards, which were in November. Um, do you want to talk about, because uh, I think it's a key moment, when you realised that there was even appetite and capacity for the awards, and what that was yeah. like when you first started to sell that idea? Absolutely. And... and... Uh, thanks for having us on the show, Dan. So, um, so Tech Southwest Awards is, is one of the manifestations of Tech Southwest, which is a, a regional group, a regional tech cluster, a made-up idea five years ago, all because we had a, um, a company that moved down from London to Exeter, asked to be introduced to the regional tech cluster, and there wasn't one. And, and that, for me, I thought, hang on, there's an opportunity there. So we went around, we asked people. Uh, most people thought it was a good idea. Some people thought, no, we'll never communicate, we'll never connect. You know, Cornwall, Devon, Exeter, Plymouth, Bristol, Bath, wherever you go around regions, you find some of that. But actually, the vast majority of people said, yeah, let's just join the dots, work out who we are. Uh, and five years later, you know, um, with a big shove that uh, that was called COVID because all the, all the geography barriers collapsed, everyone was sort of uh, technically kind of in the same room as it, when it came to digital communications. It just sped everything up. We joined the dots rapidly between local clusters, science parks, accelerators, um, and, uh, and and on we go. And, and the awards, I suppose, are the, are the showcase for that. And that um, is, has really you know, grown hugely, you know, starting to get national interest now. You know, in year one, 89 entries. This year, 290. So that's, you know, that's the size of it. And scale up, startup, innovation, all these categories. So it's happening, yeah. It's, it's, we're on that upward trajectory. It's really exciting. And I think we're probably one of the most joined up tech uh, regions in the UK now. And when you first took that idea and you sort of thought, I'm going to give this a go, was there resistance to it? People, you know, like yeah. you indicated to it, but yeah. can you give us a flavour of what that resistance well, was? Well, some people said, um, you know, because co true collaboration is really hard to do. You know, you've got to understand uh, what you're willing to put in, what you what you want to get out, how you're going to help other people. So th there was some resistance because people like to protect, you know, protect their own, uh, I suppose, in certain ways. But the vast majority of people, and I don't know if it's the Southwest thing or, or actually kind of, um, you know, but the, the people here who who want to do good tech actually get it, you know, and and they and they want to put in, they want to collaborate, they want to connect, uh, and I, and it's just a simple f philosophy, really. I think so. There was a bit of resistance, um, but there was I'd say the one thing that united everyone um, was we're not London, 
you know, if you, if you speak to people in Bristol, if you speak to people in uh, Truro, you speak to people in Bournemouth, the one thing that unites many people across the regional tech sector is we're not London. We like the fact that we're out on the edge doing uh, tech, with, um, you know, being creative, building these companies, building this ecosystem. Uh, and that was enough uh, to, to join the dots between everyone um, to get it going. And what do you think is, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of in Bill, in, in what you're saying, but what do you think is fueling that sentiment? Well, I think, I think, um, you know, I think COVID certainly, um, you know, c- c- collapsed the geography. You know, we were talking to uh, game gaming companies in Cornwall who were doing deals for the first time direct with Los Angeles. And before they were getting on a train uh, and spending five hours to get to London to then get to a conference to hope to meet the right people to have the conversation. So that's transformative as a sector when you multiply that up across the region in terms of the barriers collapsed. So if you're good enough and your tech is good enough, um, you can connect to those barriers have been swept away. So would you do tech in a city, which is fantastic, brilliant, has huge advantages around that. And of course, we've got some amazing cities in the southwest. But equally, you can do tech. You know, we've got biotech companies, um, you know, on the coast of, of Somerset, of Somerset in Cornwall, Devon, who have this amazing work-life balance. They work really, you know, really hard on their tech, but they also... Uh, build these sort of brand cultures to attract people down uh, from London and, and other parts of the UK and people return here um, to, to say, look, you can have it all. You really can have it all because we're in the most beautiful part of, of the UK. I would say that, of course, as running to Southwest. But, you know, why? What if you're going to build great tech, build it in a great place. Right. And that's what the Southwest has got. So that's all really positive. Before we hand over to Luke, what do you think some of the sort of, you know, the the barriers and the stereotypes and the kind of biases are still towards London? Why, do, you know, I mean, obviously it's the capital city. We don't have to go into all that. But why, why do you think, given what you've just said, and there is just sort of a flat playing field post-COVID in terms of those barriers, why do you think that bias still exists beyond the kind of just capital bias? Well, I think people have a certain amount of bandwidth, right? And, um, you know, the money is in London and the southeast. 85% of the investment from the southwest still pours out of the region into London and the southeast. You know, we know that from our own research. So um, I guess London, the dots were joined, were joined sooner. You know, the southwest is a, it's a big, a bigger geographical region, so it takes longer. Um, so the, the flow of money uh, is, is, is lagging behind, but it is changing. You know, we're working with Ben. Ben's part of uh, the Tech Southwest kind of um, senior team now. And, and that whole funding and finance piece, we've got, the, we've got the £200 million Southwest Investment Fund coming next year. The investment funds themselves, it's a trigger. You know, they're on the ground now. They've, they've been in Bristol uh, for, for several years, but they're starting to kind of come down into the region. So that whole funding and finance ecosystem, I think that was the big lag. You know, because, you know, without that part of the ecosystem, you know, you ultimately do still have to get, uh, get you know, get yourself to London to form those connections. So, so those connections, if they can happen earlier in the journey of the founder, in the journey of the, journey of the company, you know, that's got to be a good thing. If, of course, the businesses have to sort of, you know, get their act together, you know, investor ready, et cetera, et cetera, all, all crucial. Um, but um, I think that was the bit that, 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 you know, still holds us back a bit, but it's, but it's changing fast because, again, the investors are coming down as well. You know, the second homeowners, the high net worth individuals, the funds, you know, regional funds are springing up all over the place down in the southwest as well. And it's going to be winners and losers around that. But that whole bit of the ecosystem is where the rapid change is now happening, which is really, really exciting. Indeed, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, we'll get to Ben in, in, in one second. He can build on that. Um, Luke, do you want to share your experience of, Sort of being an exited founder in the region and what it, why you chose to you know do a, do your initial startup and now prop flow and you know just, just share can you share that founder's yeah. journey and if you think it would it's different if you'd have, if you'd have, say um done the same journey in london it would just be interesting to hear 
the, the arc of that. Well, firstly, thanks for having me on the show, Dan. Really appreciate it. And um, before I get on to that, you know, I, I've definitely benefited uh, my previous business and my current business from being in the Southwest. We do have quite a strong ecosystem, uh, which I can talk about a bit later as well. As well. Um, just a bit of context on, on me, so my background, I very much started in the public sector, uh, pretty much after the financial crash where uh, you know, there's a lot of innovation in the public sector just out of necessity, uh, particularly local government is one of the hardest hit. Um, so I was exposed to a number of different service areas and really floated to the topic where there was innovation taking place in the public sector. Um, and that really culminated in, I ended up going on a fellowship to the US, which really started to open my eyes up to entrepreneurship um, and really inspired me. Coming back to Bristol, I ended up working in city innovation uh, in Bristol and attracting uh, you know, millions of pounds worth of R&D projects, particularly from uh, some of the Horizon, EU Horizon funding uh, out there. Um, and really the sort of nub of it is that I, a lot of it was around smart home technology and I've become a private landlord, not massive uh, during that time as well. And the, the, the council had 28,000 homes across the country, it was 4 million in the private sector, another 6 million private rented sector. And I, I could see that there's a huge niche for smart home technology to make homes more energy efficient. Um, you know, there's stuff around telecare, telehealth, um, predictive maintenance, but it, a lot of large landlords were taking quite a siloed approach um, and it wasn't very scalable. So I was actually in a project with another um, quite big uh, partner in the, in, the, in the Southwest, so Toshiba Research Labs, they've got one of their, I think one of the three research sites out, outside of uh, Japan based in, in, in Bristol in their, in their telecommunications labs. Um, and that's as like, a part of, you know, that's part of the ecosystem already, right? Um, and I got talking to their research engineer who's working on this uh, project, and we thought there was a niche there to essentially create a platform which could help uh, landlords scale this technology across their, their portfolios, because nothing was quite really available in the market for them at, at that point. So we, I hadn't started a business before. I think I think I had all, always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I'd always been writing ideas down. You know, I'm pretty sure I invented Uber, you know, a few years before it came out. <laughs> I knew it was um, I thought so, yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, obviously, if you, you know, writing something down and not doing anything about it is, is worse than, you know, you, know, you know, you might as well not do anything, really. You know, you've got to put something into action. And at this point in my life, I thought, I've, I've seen an opportunity. I've got the experience and I'm at a point in my life where I can take a risk. Um, and I've been exposed to that network and ecosystem within Bristol and Bath as well in the, in the southwest so um, there's a number of accelerators um, I knew sort of key individuals I'd been exposed to how startups were working when I've been working on them with um, in some of those innovation projects for example um, so I thought you know time was time was now I thought no better place than in the southwest to do it really um, that did really well got another couple of co-founders on board um, really exciting journey and we ended up selling that uh, a couple of years ago now to one of the largest uh, file arm manufacturers uh, in, in the UK so they have a manufacturing capability and uh, essentially the distribution channel uh, whereas we had you know the, the software and the analytics basically the, the AI powered analytics so um, it was a really good tie-up that you know, went really well and I ended up fully exiting just over a year ago um, ended up buying and selling a couple of properties and basically it was an absolute nightmare if anyone has bought or sold a property in the last couple of years. 
Um, I think there was, you know, from searching through to making offer through to, um, uh, you know, the conveyancing legal due diligence all the way then to managing your home afterwards, there's so much disruption and uh, that, that could, that, you know, potential there. I think, you know, uh, there's one figure I saw recently of, you know, buying a car, you know, is, average is about you know, 30,000 pounds, buying a home is about 250,000 pounds, but buying a, you know, you spend about three days buying a car, whereas buying a home could take, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks. So there's a huge amount of inefficiency uh, within the, the, the property transaction sector. Um, so, and that's going, so I've created PropFlow with a, another data scientist, and we're essentially creating a digital hub for the home, which provides a number of tools for homeowners to keep track of their home. Um, we've got a number of insights, AI-powered insights, particularly around uh, energy-efficient retrofitting. Uh, but where we make money is actually uh, selling B2B SaaS to uh, the likes of estate agents and, and mortgage brokers. And we're really starting to you know, take off. We've been going a year. We won the uh, you know, Tech Southwest Award for Best Startup recently in November, um, which you know, good pat on the back. And you know, uh, I feel like we, we've got a huge potential uh, in 2023. Even though the economic climate is you know, not great, I, th I think it's probably the best time to actually invest in in innovation and, and build something which could disrupt your, your market. Um, so that, that was sort of my journey, my history. And just to say something on sort of, you know, the, the actual ecosystem in the Southwest, my first startup, uh, Homelink, was, you know, huge, got a huge amount of support in the Southwest. And we had a number of accelerators. So we got space and some advice from Bristol Robotics Lab, um, which we then later moved into an office called Future Space, which had a great ecosystem of startups and support. Um, excellent uh, mentorship from Set Squared, which is again another uh, one of the top uh, accelerators in, in, in the country, uh, particularly from university spinouts. Uh, and we got a, a huge amount of support from uh, a, a group called Extra Velocities, which essentially provided a use case. So they provided a customer for us to work with and a bit of funding to do a pilot with as well. So, you know, for a first startup, when you don't know some of the, the challenges and issues, that, that was a great support network to have in place. So it sounds like it, that there. I mean, from the way you where you tell the story, there's absolutely been no downside at all to being based in the southwest. In fact, that it sounds like it's it's been you know that um, you haven't had to think once. Oh, I wish I was in London or, or, or anything like that. From the story you just shared, is that correct? I, I mean, absolutely not. Yeah, that, that's that's yeah, for, for me. Uh, being in the southwest, we've got pretty much everything we need right here in terms of support, in terms of like the talent pool. Um, I think. Having said that, though, my investor. So, where's my investment come from? It's come from angels and very high net worth individuals based in the southeast, um, and corporate investors from from Ireland and sort of the Midlands. So, um, in terms of investment from the southwest, I haven't actually, you know, in terms, you know, we haven't actually got a huge amount, but it's still very much southeast and London dominated for sure. Um, but the support, the talent um even stuff like office space you know that's really much better than um than what i would have thought of you know st having started my my first start startup i thought you know maybe i did need to go to london but actually ended up not having to move and just creating more offices office space in in the north of bristol with, with homelink and they're still there um and that for me that's one impact which is um, you know, it goes beyond money, but you know, what jobs are we creating in, in, in the local economy? I'm from the Southwest, so I want to make an impact beyond just, you know, widgets making money, right? It's about the journey, not just, you know, 
you know, the, 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 you know, your bank account balance at, at the end of that journey. So, so tying those things together to, and, and handing to, uh, over to Ben to build on that, it sounds like, like from an ecosystem and support and you know, interconnecting the, the, the area, that that's not job done, tick, but it sounds like it's, it's, it's really far along. Like you said, Dan, from where you had the idea four years ago, it sounds like you know, from loose experience that that, that, that level of support it equals anything I've ever heard a founder say, if, if not surpasses, because there's this kind of, as you said, there's sort of a spread of core we're in this together, then from founders in London. But then, there, but there is still a lag. It's interesting here, Luke, talk about his investors of investment. I know, Dan, you addressed that with the fund. Ben, do you want to kind of join those dots and build on that? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, it's really interesting listening to, uh, to, to Luke's journey. And also, um, obviously, I work closely with Dan and Tech Southwest, as he said, and on the sort of funding and finance aspects of it. I think um, in the northern part of the region uh, of the southwest, I think the, the the ecosystem as a whole is 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 quite well developed. You know, Bristol and Bath, in particular, uh, benefit from a number of incubators. Um, obviously, we've got two uh, excellent universities um, generating spinouts and, and providing support. Um, Set Squared and Future Space and Launch Space and. And, and various co-working spaces and, and, and you know so it's all kind of there from a from, from a supports perspective I think as you go further south um, you know apart from Exeter maybe then down into Falmouth and Exeter in Cornwall it becomes a bit of less bit, bit less condensed um, and list and a lot less available um, and so you know there's a lot of work still to be done so I think you know Luke, Luke Luke's um, example and the support that he's received i think is um an example of bristol and bath of, the, of, of that of that ecosystem i think you know if once you go below uh, into somerset in particular and uh, areas um of, of cornwall and and outside of exeter in devon you know the, that, that level of support diminishes um quite dramatically and so there's still still a lot to be done um to, to build that ecosystem out um, from the north and, and, and build it, you know, up in the south. I think. Um, when you turn to the investment side of it, uh, and you know, and Dan touched on a couple of figures at the start, and and, and Luke's um, experience of uh, investment is not unusual. Um, as Dan was saying, you know, eighty-five percent of, uh, of funding in the southwest actually leaves the southwest. So, so people are investing in. London-based and Southeast-based companies, whilst being based in based in the Southwest, um, and so they're not really seeing the opportunities that are available in the Southwest, so, and there are a lot of opportunities. So my my investment experience uh, in the sort of private equity side of things is, uh, as you said at the start, Dan, is that I'm, I'm a member of Bristol Private Equity Club. Um, but I'm also a member of uh, Mainstream, which is um, Exeter-based angel group, but also Dorset Business Angels. But between those three, there's still only 200 angels uh, in those three groups. Now, there are national networks and there are various sort of sector-based networks, um, Green Angel Syndicate, for example. But there's a lot of crossover as well. So a lot of those angels, like myself, are members of multiple groups um, because I'm looking for, for opportunities uh, across across the region and, and, and nationally as well, um, and so what you do tend to find um, is, particularly in the southwest, is that 
on a number of aspects, we still very much punch below our weight from a finance perspective. And that's investment, that's grants, that's any type of uh, funding into the, into the region. And so those are the real important aspects that we need to focus on going forward. Um, so with an angel, or being an angel in the region, there are a lot of opportunities. So I'm uh, one of the committee for, we have a BPEC seed as kind of a subgroup of, uh, of, of Bristol Private Equity Club, which is focusing on sort of more SEIS type opportunities. So early stage uh, pre-seed investment opportunities. And I think over the last sort of two years, we've looked at maybe 120 different opportunities. So the opportunities are there. But what's interesting is, uh, and Dan, again, touched, touched on this, is around investor readiness. Um, we've only invested in eight or nine of those companies um, across, across that time period. So I think that what, what that tells me and what, what my experience is, is that the opportunities are there and the companies are there. They just don't present themselves in a particularly great way. And there's a lot of work in that support uh, structure around investor readiness. And I, and I hear it from British Business Bank, and I hear it from Innovate um, about applications and successful applications around grant money, but also match funding, is that we, you know, the Southwest doesn't do as well as it should in, 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 you know, in those opportunities. And so that's where we need to do a lot of work, but also we need to develop the investment community as well. And I know part of our work in Tech Southwest is next year, I you know, we're, we're very keen to lead on the angel group development in the Southwest. Um, so we're looking very much forward to formulating a program and working with um, organizations like British Business Bank, like Innovate, like, like the UK Business Angels Association, like the Enterprise Investment Scheme Association and, and the local government, you know, the LEPs, the, uh, the, the councils and the combined authorities that, that, that make up our region um, are all waking up to the fact that they need to fund and support um, angel group development. And Dan, interestingly, also mentioned the second home market. So there's a lot of people in the, in the London and the southeast, uh, or particularly in the London area, that have a second home in Devon and Cornwall and so, you know, in, the, in those sorts of regions and Dorset. And um, whilst they get a lot of bad press for that, from that perspective, what they do have is a lot of cash and they tend to be high net worths. Um, and so one of the things that we're very keen on doing is reaching into that community and saying, you know, you know what, you know, you, you come into the region, you have a second home. A lot of them do philanthropic uh, work. They do charitable work and they, 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 they provide money into charities. But my argument to them is that's great and don't stop doing that. But at the same time, there are amazing investment opportunities available in the Southwest. We have got we are doing such amazing tech, uh, marine tech, green tech, robotics. You know, you walk across the region and there is great stuff going on at all these different institutions, all these different uh, universities, colleges, um, and just you know just people doing stuff. And we need to redirect the, those people to say, do you know what? You know, it's not all happening in London. When you're down, you know, down in your second home, or when you've come down to the region, have a look at what's going on around you, because there are companies here that need your investment, and it's not charity. You're making an investment. It's the same benefits, uh, tax benefits, etc. You'll receive from those companies that, you know, SEIS and EIS and your VC funds, etc. All the tax benefits you get from those, but 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 you're investing in something in that region, in that you know that you that you call your kind of I don't know second home, I guess. 
And then so, when, you know, it's just a sorry, question. No. When, when you meet your counter, London counterparts, or yeah. let's say two, two, two part question. When you meet your London counterparts, do you sense any sort of, you know, like not, 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 not rivalry, but they, they still see the, the region as lesser in any way. Do you still experience that kind of prejudice might be a too heavier word, but, and then also when you go out into other regions, if you do, I assume that, you know, mm. um, you meet other syndicates, do they look towards what you've done in the region and go, how do we do that? You know, how do we emulate that? It's a kind of two part question. Sure. Yeah. So, so to address your first part, um, and I think Dan mentioned it briefly as well at the start was that it's people have bandwidth and they, they, they tend to go through the route of least resistance. So angels tend to be doing it for not only investment perspective, but they also like to get involved in companies. And so they like to get involved in companies that are local to them. Um, and obviously London is a huge place. There's a lot of money there and a lot of startups um, and, and scale up companies base themselves there or move there simply because that makes it easier to get access to those angels. And they don't, and that in turn means that those angels don't need to go very far to find the opportunities that they need to fulfill their needs, whether that's just from an investment perspective, but also from an involvement, you know, a sharing of experience or knowledge. And so, and so I don't think there's a necessarily a looking down their nose at, but I think there's an aspect of, do you know what? It's two hours away to, um, Exeter or to, you know, even more, even longer to, to, to Cornwall and to those sorts of areas. And they go, do you know what? I can, I, I can go out of an evening and, and, and go to a pitch event and see, um, you know, 10 or 20 companies that I might be interested in investing in. Whereas I think it's actually, a, it's a British business bank stat, actually. I think it came out about a year or so ago that investors tend to invest in companies within, I think, predominantly within an hour of where they live and and, and, gen- and sort of about 85% is within two hours of where they live. And so, you know, not a lot is within two hours of London from, you know, from a Southwest perspective. And so, you know, that's why, again, I think Bristol and Bath are particularly well uh, developed, albeit there's still lots more to do, but of course it's only an hour, hour and a half down the M4 or down the, you know, down, down the rail track to, to Bristol. And so, you know, they, they, that therefore makes it much easier for those London investors to jump on a train, to come down, attend an event. And so, you know, therefore money gets, money gets deployed in Bristol and Bath because of that. But once you start adding on another hour, hour and a half to Exeter, and then, you know, even think about then sort of Falmouth, uh, and those sorts of uh, places that the, the time scale is, is such a significant difference. So I think it, it's almost a case of, do you know what, is it, is it worth the bother? Now, online pitch events and COVID and stuff, I think has improved that massively and the ability to, to, a, to, to, ice, to see investments from across the, you know, across the country, not just necessarily the Southwest, but the ability to, to join pitch events and, and see companies in tech from across the Southwest, you know, from wherever you are, I think it, it is extremely positive. But we have to go to London. I think our first step is that we have to go to London more. We have to showcase the Southwest. We have to go to where the money is to ignite that interest and and just make it clear to those people that, you know, this is what's going on down there. This is what you're missing out on. And so if we can take it to them in time, that will mean they'll come to us. And I think, you know, that, that, that those are the stages that we need to do. Into your, in, yeah, for your second, second part, part yeah. yeah, sorry, your second part of your question is around: Am I talking to other regions? Absolutely. So I part of many different groups, um, sort of Tech Invest and 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 
you know, various other um, tech nation and, and, and groups where, you know, they've organized sort of national um, syndicate groups or national groups to talk around what they're doing, all the different, you know, Tech Southwest and all the different clusters, et cetera, what they're doing across the regions. And yeah, I, you know, people reach out to me um, during those calls and after those calls to talk about, you know, what I'm talking about is what are we doing, what are we doing to develop the angel community in the Southwest? And they're all very keen to hear about what we're doing. And, and, you know, and, and various and, and the other way as well, you know, various things are going on. You've got uh, particularly in the powerhouses in the, in the sort of the north, there are where they've had large investment funds, um, you know, significantly bigger than the ones that have been deployed in the southwest in the past. Um, and therefore, there is a growing, you know, that can stimulate angel community. And, that, and that's part of the reason why. British Business Bank um, are launching their regional fund in the Southwest. You know, it's a 200 million pound fund. Um, it's a huge step forward for us. It's a, uh, you know, it's a big attraction of money of other fund managers as well, and to, and, and to highlight the, uh, the, the the prospects and the opportunities that are in the Southwest. But it also means that it helps develop the ecosystem and the investment ecosystem. Okay, well, that, that's I think that ties the whole sort of setup brilliantly together so thank thanks to you all for that i think they all they sequentially all built on each other um what we what we're doing this fourth series is is then kind of examining the, the that story that's been presented through the what we call the switch deck which is the synthesis of series one to three of the podcast um basically insights into uh, the shift in early stage venture particularly how founders and investors can be aligned as we've got I'm aware we've got about 20 minutes left, and we won't, so we won't get through all of them. So I will tr endeavour to kind of throw the most, what I think are the most pertinent at you, building on what we've just heard. So the first one I think is really relevant, is where we start, which is this idea, and I put it as a question: like, do you believe that venture is fundamentally at a crossroads? So we've talked about it in terms of kind of like shifting its regional bias, but I think there's another layer to that that we've been. Examining on the on the series, which is the venture, if you think about it, uh, is quite um, a legacy uh, industry. It, re it relies on kind of outlooks, tools, approaches, funnels, deal flow that is often 20 to 30 years old, and it has no problem going into other industries and you know looking at all of those inefficiencies and weaknesses and disrupting them. But when it looks at itself. It hasn't really disrupted it, um, you know, uh, massively because it, otherwise it would, it, in some cases, like the proofs in the pudding in this conversation, it probably would have realized it's inefficient to have this bias. There's no need, as, as you all said, like COVID forced that kind of like geographical flattening. So what, what we're saying is, is like, do you think that there is a, an appetite for venture itself to evolve to kind of a new place, a new ecosystem. And I'll combine that with a, another insight, which is the notion of founder tech is that there are now all these different pits of tech um, kind of eating at different aspects of the traditional venture system. So whether that's seed league was with a seed fast or vested with with the cap table or Odin with the you know the SPVs um, and there's loads of them. Uh, landscape with transparency, you know the, the the these bits that we are we've kind of bundled together as Fanatec are part of that evolution of that ecosystem. Um, ben, do you want to take that first? Let's go in reverse order. Let's go Ben, Luke, and Dan. Like, what do you what do you think about that as an investor wearing your you know your venture hat? Yeah, I think um, I, I don't I don't disagree with you. I think that you know the the whole venture capital. You know, I I play very much in the early stage um, and, and and sort of early uh, scale up 
stage of the funding, obviously as an angel investor, I mean, you know, before the VCs uh, weighed in, but um, there's absolutely a need for greater transparency. There's a need to build greater syndication um, across, you know, so, so just the infrastructure, I think, of how angels learn about um, deal flow and an opportunity. I think there's, there, there's a whole aspect to be uh, learned and developed from there. And we're very, you know, as Tech Southwest, we're very keen to be, you know, I've got, I've got particular, you know, views around how we can, how we can do that. And I'm, you know, I'm keen to build on that within the Southwest, but I see that as a, as a national issue. Um, and, you know, that builds, so building that whole infrastructure, that whole uh, ability to syndicate across larger regions, etc. I think, um, I think there's a lot of work to be done around education in for financial advisors and for the funds development and stuff. So I think, you know, again, you know, the management aspect of it uh, for, for VCs, etc. I think there's a lot of work they need to do to, uh, to, to highlight the aspects of the industry. But um, from a VC and a, and, you know, and a, and, and a, deal flow and identifying companies and identifying deal flow I think there's still a lot of work to be done around um, understanding what makes a company work what what why is a company a success and what why are companies not successes and what what are the what are the issues that people always talk about oh well you know a company fails is trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist and you know and I think you know it's a bit a bit simplistic um, to look at the, the different different areas and you know I know Dan you know you you're obviously looking very much around the founder aspect of it as well and I think and I think it is you know when I when I invest in a company what am I looking at I'm looking at is there a problem to be solved what's the size of that opportunity but does the company have the team um do I believe in the people that are there to to to, to um to deliver uh, that opportunity I know the product isn't likely to look like what they think it's going to look like at that time but that's not necessarily important it's the, it's the opportunity and the team to deliver it and i think you know with the work that you're doing and i think the vc you know whole vc world and angel investment world needs to look more closely around behavior they need to talk they need to understand different characteristics of, of founders and why those that are successful you know take luke for example you know why has he been a success um where others fail and I think you know those are the, those are the things to identify. Can we can we find the right characteristic? Who are who are the super founders, and who are those that are inherently going to fail? Because they're not, not necessarily they're not characteristics you can't learn. Um, but if you don't have those particular skill set or you don't have that particular insight, um, what you know are, you know you're at a disadvantage. And I think I think there's a lot of work to be done around that. I think people do you know VCs will, and to be fair, it's you know, they're bombarded with opportunities, bombarded with decks, and they spend a lot of time looking through the same thing uh, over and over again, looking for that one that jumps out at them. And so I think there's still a lot of pressure for founders to develop the sort of the pitch deck which jumps off the page and the, the opportunity that jumps off the page. And I think there's got to be better ways to do that early identification of those companies that offer the most potential. And also the, the numbers game, you know what VCs play numbers games, and you know they, they you know they they're looking for you know twenty companies or so to to invest in a particular round, and they're hoping that one of them comes off. Um, so what is it they're looking at? Do they need you know surely 
there are things that we can do to better reduce those odds or increase those odds of, of success when, when selecting them. So, so Luke, what, what do you think of that in, in, in what sort of Ben said about you? And what do you think it is about yourself that has kind of worked in that system and how would you like it to evolve? And do you think it, you see signs of it evolving? Well, I think you've actually discussed this on some of the other podcasts. So, for example, there are a load of tools at the moment which make it much easier for founders to start. You know, I think previous founders mentioned C Legals, for example. I've, I've used them before and used them for PropFlow. It just makes everything so much more um, streamlined in the process and sort of guide you through. I don't have to be a legal expert um, and, you know, they provide a lot of support, for example. So I think, and, and you've mentioned the, the, the same, Dan. So I think there's a lot of, Sort of, as you say, founder tech being created to help sort of streamline creating and running businesses going forward. I think, it, I think something that Ben said sort of struck me, you know, VCs play a numbers game. Well, I don't want to be a number, right? I want to have some personalization. Um, every, you know, I don't think, I actually haven't got VC funding before. It's always been high net worth individuals and corporate investment. Um, so I, I think actually, diversifying away from VCs because you know VC investment is maybe only applicable to a certain percentage maybe even a small percentage of, of, of startups and I, I actually think you know having uh, some high net worth individuals uh, angel groups you know being facilitated by that regional co-investment fund for example um, having corporate invest investors as well to you know maybe create challenges or you know create pre like seed and pre-seed funds as well in the regions would be very useful. Um, and I've also benefited from, uh, in the previous business, um, something like an Innovate UK, it's called an SBRI, so a Small Business Research Initiative, which is a wholly, a wholly um, funded, 100% funded contract, R&D contract, for a specific challenge, a specific customer. Uh, in our case, it was uh, a local authority, uh, and that went from pilot, which is around 50 grand, up to uh, then we've got this the second contract up to 500,000 and that's essentially you know, that's almost like seed seed investment right um and i think that does you know those diversing away from vcs does a number of things because it means you start to root in regions so if you're a business that you know rolls royce has got a huge presence here uh nat west there's a lot of financial institutions in, in bristol and, and, and the southwest um you know if they start doing more corporate investment in, in where they have their main offices. And, you know, we, we can start really leveraging invest, you know, a lot more investment into, into the region for sure. Um, so I think, like I said, diversification away from VCs, what can the public sector do? Um, public sector organizations locally, what can local businesses do, large corporates do as well to help um, sort of invest in startups and innovation for sure. Um, and my sort of third point is more like, like I said, personalization. So it feels like there's a power imbalance where it's the VCs, you know, you, you're pitching to them and you've got to sell them, whereas they're not really, they're not really incentivized. I think it's starting to change, but they're not really incentivized to sort of, you know, what value add do they provide and how, you know, um, you know, what support do they provide and which isn't just sort of, uh, you know, just some light touch sort of workshops and, you know, have a, have a meeting every month or something for an hour and, you know, just something a bit more involved than, than that. And um, I think, again, the Southwest does have, well, Bristol Bath in particular, have quite a good ecosystem to provide that support in lieu of some of the VCs. Um, 
But yeah, so that, that's my my three points. The tools are, are really starting to come along. We need to diversify, diversify, not away from VCs, or should I say, but more, uh, you know, have some of those other tools which are out there, co-investment funds, corporate investment, public sector investment, et cetera. And so it's just sort of greater personalization support from those investors as well. Yeah, that, that, all, that all makes total sense. Dan, have, have these themes come up when you have been planning or discussing the awards? Did you find that they were being dis- discussed at the award? Like, are these themes about the evolution of VC, uh, or let's not call it a venture, uh, yeah. building on the themes that sort of Ben and Luke have been talking about? Well, I think I, th- I think the Southwest, because it's a, uh, you know, it's a, a, by its nature, it's a big, long, thin region. So you have more variety uh, in terms of the types of tech, the types of founders. Uh, and, and I think that's, you know, it's the same in the funding. People are looking in many different ways in a different, in, in, uh, for the opportunities, which is why you need a, a, a grown-up ecosystem, you know, because it's dilutive funding, it's non-dilutive funding, it's all sorts. So I think it, that certainly is. I think one of the big things we hear is people want to hear from people just like them in terms of peer-to-peer. Uh, so uh, Bristol Bath got it, but so many other parts of the region. We run regional peer groups as well through, through Tech Southwest Plus, um, you know. And actually, so they so because there are people at different stages of the journey. You know, I've got a friend Anthony Peak, Intelligent AI. They've just raised two million from about seven or eight different sources. I understand for his real time data um, uh, kind of is um, insure, insure tech uh, platform. You know, and that's been a big journey for him. But you know, that is now gold dust in terms of insight you know a, a company in exeter using some of the ai expertise at university of exeter but linking in with london in, in various ways as well so you know there's people who play in the ecosystem of course you know ecosystems by their nature change all the time so he's playing in an ecosystem that is exeter that is the southwest that is london that is international and i think we've got to sort of draw the threads out of that uh, to, to build you know more robust kind of collaborations opportunities it feeds into understanding the tech that's out there um, you know, so so yeah, so so those those are sort of a couple of the themes that are emerging. I think the other thing is, you know, you always have early adopters, but you know, like anyone else, a lot, you know, VCs and others, a, a lot, a lot of people don't want to be in that space. They want to sort of sit and, and, and wait and see. Uh, and whether that's the, the tools, the technology, the kind of assessment of, of founders, and, and sort of you know what's at the cutting edge, and, and, and you know what's a bit do they assume is, is safer. And I also make a plea to, to geography because I think it's the same you know if you were uh, an investment fund and you and you plonk yourself down at Oceanscape in Plymouth you know you'd be the only one there probably you'd be sitting with 100 marine tech companies probably within two miles of you you know probably working in about 40 different markets globally so you know pretty re- immune from Brexit and, and all of the, the fallout around that but most people can't be bothered you know most people sit and do the things that they've always done and that's around the relationships that's around the networks that's around the technology that's around the learning and that's around where you're willing to go you know so part of this is trying to make it as easy as possible um, to, to, to those people at the, you know, at the front line as it were who, who, who see those opportunities you know we've got to do that but also you know we're going to get on with it anyway those opportunities are there you know people are coming out of you know we saw it during covid we were getting calls all the time tech software saying hey um I'm up in London six months of the year. I'm down in Falmouth six months of the year. COVID's made me realise I want to do more down in Falmouth than in London. How do I connect with what's going on? You know, we were getting those calls, having those conversations with people, connecting them in with local parts of the ecosystem. Um, so, you know, I think that that that, it, that shift is happening. 
um, you know, not fast enough. Uh, and, and the money game is still, you know, rooted around London and that's never going to change. But, you know, if, if people are looking for opportunity, which obviously is the nature of this opportunity and reward, you know, I, I'd urge people to, to broaden their horizons in terms of the tools, the techniques, the connections and, and what is actually happening. You know, the, the blue green revolution, as it were, you know, the blue green revolution, aero te uh, marine tech, uh, agri tech, all those, you know, it's happening in the southwest. You know, it's happening in the northeast as well. But you know, go and have a look. I think, I think someone someone saying that 600 clean tech companies secured funding in the southwest of England. Um, or some, and I was talking to someone who's trying to find those companies. You know, he's looking at Bohurst data yeah. and everything else. Um, you know, that's in just one slice of the of the, of the sector a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do something. I'm going to I'm going to do a quick fire round before we do oh. sort of a wrap up um, because I think we've actually covered almost all of the. The key things of the switch there, like Ben was basically kind of talking about the founder market fit slide, and we were talking about the ecosystem. But there's still a, there's still a, there's still a few. So I'm going to go again in the kind of reverse order and ask kind of as a quick fire round. Luke, uh, one of the things that's come up that founders prefer this is one of my favourite things is they prefer a fast no to a slow yes. So they would much rather be told, uh, no, I'm not interested in this and I'll never be interested in this, or I'm not interested because of this reason, or I'm not interested now, but come back in, you know, Q2 with these things, and I will be interested. Do you agree with that? And have you got a favorite fast no? Bzz, go. Yeah, I think fast, yeah, always prefer fast no, but I never sort of take no as a definitive no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what founders should always, um, you know, they need to develop a thick skin to hearing no's, whether it's from customers, whether it's from VCs, but always remember that no doesn't always mean no forever. It's just no for right now. So yeah, I would definitely prefer a quick no, but understanding, uh, you know, what what would change their mind and sort of always keep always keep them on in the loop and on your, you know, your email newsletter, etc. Just, you know, see how, you, how you're progressing for sure. We, we had a guy, um, uh, Carl, on the first uh, episode of uh, of this series, and he was just like a machine at not accepting no. He like a, it was like an MBA class. If anyone's listening to this and want to go back, I, I said this on the episode. It was just unbelievable at the way he managed his no's. Do you have a favorite no that you've managed then and turned into a yes? Um, there's a, actually, from previous company, uh, we secured a pilot with one local authority and I've only just seen it that is scaling scaling now so I kept on it kept managing that relationship and even after I left they've now sort of turned it around you know it's now starting to scale so from sort of small scale deployments to uh, you know just you know, slowly ramping up and now they're fully scaling across their, their stock so um, yeah it's, I, I always you know, it's always about working those customers and, and, and investors and, um, you know, because things change, right? Yeah. And you might suddenly become, the, the planets might align, their, their priorities might change, um, or they might start suddenly feeling the pain that you've been predicting. And they go, oh, actually, yeah, Luke had a point around X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, let, let me, and let me re-engage with him. So, yeah. Okay, that's great. Ben, the one for you is um, the, the idea that quality deal flow is starting more and more pre-product so the idea that uh, you alluded to this in kind of like a deal a typical deal funnel there's less and less obvious winners that are kind of e-commerce SaaS, b2b um you know plays that you can go that's going to win and therefore the funnel you got to move down the funnel into pre-product to find the more interesting and more valuable opportunities 
you agree with that? Um, yeah, I think there's. I think. I think that's gonna that happens naturally, actually, because I think there's a there, there's a definitely a push towards um, for founders, certainly around the idea stage, to um, prove traction early on. And so when I say traction, I mean I guess uh, market demand for uh, for something, and then, you know they're building that waiting list or building that um, sign of intent from from potential customers, etc. Certainly at the idea stage. So yeah, I think there is a. Um, I think there is a step towards that investing at idea stage um, rather than sort of maybe MVP or early, early product uh, stage. So I certainly see a lot of companies that are coming to us with sending us you know, information and decks, et cetera, around um, ideas, good ideas, uh, interesting ideas, but, you know, without, you know, without a prototype or without a, without a built deck, you know, they may have a low code solution or they may have a, uh, they may have done a little bit of um, testing around that sort of side, but that, that, that first raise is increasingly becoming around. We've got an idea. We can, we've got some evidence that there's um, demand for it and people would be uh, keen to adopt it, but also disappointed if it did, you know, if, if we didn't develop, uh, sorry, develop it. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah, I think there is a, that, that there is a movement um, along that stage. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Dan, question for you. So there's this idea this has come up um, called subsurface queues, building on what Ben was saying, that when you're ev evaluating, you know, really, really good founders and startups, a lot of the information is like subsurface queues on a very silly level. But do they turn up on time? How do they present? Are they ready? But there are actually all these kind of much more sort of, you know, tells i guess you'd call it in poker or something like that what that that founder is impressive when you're evaluating who you're going to nominate for awards do you look at those and if so what what are some of those subsurface cues that you might look at so i'm a brand expert so i'm not a tech person i built an ecosystem because i thought the southwest want, needed a brand around this tech sector when actually i said no just join the dots don't worry about the brand that'll come later but you know, we run workshops for people on their personal brand, and that includes founders, and yeah. that includes you know people in tech companies because um, absolutely 100% we're humans. You know, we've had three million years of evolution uh, from hunter gatherers uh, stage onwards, and we pick up on cues and other things that we do not even know we're doing. You know, so um, if you uh, dismiss that part of it and think it's all about the deck, it's all about the key messages. You know, and it's the things I put down or the things I say in my really amazing. You know. Uh, brand explainer video or whatever it might be um you know you're only fighting half the battle so absolutely all those other elements you know the psychology of it those those um what was what was phrase you used the sub subsurface cues it wasn't i i, I adopted cues. it from someone said it once i thought it was quite useful yeah really good those subsurface cues fundamentally you know because we are human beings you know and uh, we are wired to respond in different ways in different situations to different cues using all the senses you know, uh, and, and that's absolutely um, key. You know, it's why some people we just naturally gravitate to and say, yeah, I could work with them. I could probably buy from them. I don't even want this product, but I'm going to, I like it anyway, because they're so good at what they're doing, you know, uh, or they're so smooth around it, or they're so natural around it, or they're real, or, or the trust. Uh, you know, and equally, if you if you have those, the gut instincts and everything else, you know, science more and more is, is, is backing up some of those feelings. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, all those those cues and those uh, those elements. You know, I'm really fascinated. My my wife's a psychotherapist, so right. she she lives in a world of one to one communication. Right. How we exist and communicate and connect, and I'm in a more of a sort of a mass communication kind of uh, world. You know how how brands, you know, but actually the, the personal brand bit, the founder bit, is is coming to the fore, isn't it? So that's a fascinating area, and and I think the people who really get their heads around that and the science and psychology and learn from the best and understand themselves. Yeah. Uh, and, and what you give out, give off, and give out, as well as what you sort of take in and receive, uh, you know, that is a, a key part of it. I agree. And now we know, obviously, what you'll be discussing for dinner. No, 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 no. So, <laughs> um, yeah, just, every night's conversation at our house. <laughs> just, just on that, Dan. As we wrap out, we might as well wrap out. You alluded to the work that you do with platform agency. Do you want to? Do you want to sort of say anything before, as we wrap out? Do you want to be the first to kind of wrap up? You, you, I know you want to mention startup studio. Oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so just one thing is, you know, we are, we are always looking for startups. Um, we, you know, we run Techstuffer Startup um, Studio, uh, early stage, pre-seed. You know, it's funded. We've, we've got places. We've got a new cohort starting. In January, that's an evergreen program that Ben runs. We've also got Tech Software Scale Up. Um, you know, so we are, we have virtual accelerator programs with with tech companies across the region and uh, involved in that and other things. So do do check out techsoftware.co.uk for that. You know, we're interested in connecting with companies, founders, entrepreneurs, having conversations in the work we do, the support we provide, and um, and the projects we get involved with. So yeah, check it out. Okay, great. Uh, ben, any, um, you next, and then we'll finish with it. So, Ben, anything you'd like to say about Bristol Private Equity Group, how people can get in contact with you, anything anything else at all that you want to kind of put out there? Yeah, sure. Look, if, if, if you're a founder and you're looking to raise uh, early-stage money um, from an angel group, um, I'm, uh, you know, feel free to, to reach out to me um, at, uh, you know, uh, ben at Scout Consulting. .co.uk, please, uh, you know, drop me a line, drop me a deck, or look me up on LinkedIn. Um, I receive lot, lot, lots of decks, or we we get lots of information, lots of approaches from companies. So please do, you know, if you're looking to raise money, please do reach out. Um, if you're uh, an investor, or even not an investor, but but interested in becoming an angel, um, please again reach out to me because um, we're looking to develop the community across the southwest. Um, and so, you know, I'm looking to, uh, to, to recruit, uh, new angels, I guess. And, uh, so we can help fund, um, these, uh, exciting, uh, opportunities in the Southwest. Great. And is there just any particular ticket size on both sides of that that you're, or is it, does it start at one point and end at another point or, uh, or is that not relevant? Uh, no, so yeah, so I guess from an angel perspective, we're looking for anything from, you know, your, your, your initial, uh, initial raise or so SEIS, you know, that knows, Increasing to two hundred and fifty thousand pounds from next year. So, but you know, we're we're willing to be part of a round. We're willing to be part of you know, or to or to try and fill a whole round. So, I guess in most circumstances, an angel group uh, like Bristol Private Equity Club, we're looking for anything from sort of fifty thousand, anything up to half a million. Um, You know, I think our average ticket size for 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 BPEC as a whole is probably sort of in the sort of two fifty mark. So. Um, you know, if you're looking for investment and you want, you know, we, we, we're often part of a wider syndicate. We're, we, we're partnering with funds. We're partnering with other angel groups. Um, but, you know, if, if, if you're looking to get investment, then please do get involved. Oh, Great. Please, and, do, please do look me up. And we'll put all of us, obviously all of those links uh, that Dan and Ben and Luke uh, in the show notes so people can see that as well. Um, Luke, the floor is yours to close. Um, I, I probably won't say anything about my company or myself, but really just uh, – you know, because we are coming towards uh, sort of end, end of the year, uh, 2022. And, 
uh, you know, it's been a quite a tough year. You know, war, you know, global war, you know, inf inflation from COVID, the mini budget, <laughs> um, and really just a message to founders to say, you know, keep positive, keep your heads down, keep keep going on, basically, because where there's adversity, there's also opportunity. So um, there's a lot of people that might be struggling or will be struggling in 2023. Um, just know you're not alone. Um, and like I said, there, there's opportunity. And that those founders that have you know maybe raised and are sort of like you know got runway past 2023 just remember you know maybe some of your customers might be struggling as well or you know some of those other founders and you know just let's all try and help one another as well so um that's what i would like to just end on as well um, um, bring in the christmas cheer as we as we yeah. get into the season um jess <laughs> it's been as as i hoped i thought it's just been a fan, fantastic conversation thank you so much i think for people listening it's like what you're doing i do think is is the textbook regional example i'm not just saying that in the, in the uk for anyone looking at it um so it's it's been a real pleasure to kind of hear from the different perspectives how how you've done that where you're going um so thank you for your, for being on the, on the podcast and thank you for your time thanks dan Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Thanks Dan. everyone. You're very welcome. Thank you very much.